all you have to do really is remember what the teacher has said and, and repeat them. And that's all they're asking for. They don't want people to actually think and question. In fact, today, if you, if you ask too many questions, especially if you're male, you'll be put on some drug like Ritalin, which actually shrinks the brain because they don't want people who have leadership qualities and who are a little extroverted to grow up into adults who could become really good leaders in times of stress and struggles within peoples. That's the formula. And this has been discussed at top levels of government and the management of, of governmental agencies in great detail. And I'll be going into this when we come back from these following messages. Everybody knows that the days are loaded. Everybody rolls with their fingers crossed. Everybody knows the war is over. Everybody knows the good guys lost. Everybody knows the fight was fixed. The poor stay poor. The rich get rich. That's how it goes. Everybody knows. Hi, Alan Watt with Cutting Through the Matrix back again. And talking about how education has been used since the general public were given education. Very heavily from the very beginning, in fact, with a form of scientific technique of indoctrination. We've got to remember that in the 1800s, the elite were terribly worried about free time for the working peoples, the, the vast bulk of the populace of Europe and the Americas too. America really didn't consist of just cowboys and Indians. It was also a, a country of factory towns. That's the real history of America, where very important, very wealthy people could start up a town and build it, owning everything in that town and bringing in the workers to work there, generally mines of one kind or another. And uh, you had to do your shopping at the local store, which the boss owned as well. And you rented your home from the boss, and the boss would also bring in a minister, and you'd pay him as well. So it was a little self-contained community, and that was modeled after the, the, the types they had already all over Europe. These uh, bosses, these... Uh, Industrial bosses became multi-multi-millionaires, some billionaires, in fact, had meetings in the 1800s in Europe, and they classed them then as global meetings to do with the upcoming centuries and where they'd go from there. They talked about all the different theories that were coming along. Karl Marx, of course, was doing his communist stuff, although he was a small player, and he was just a journalist that was picked to write the manifesto. His name wasn't even on the first few issues. But communism really was a, a dialectical approach stemming from London, of all places, uh, in a way to bring the peoples of the world together because through conflict you always have compromise. But first you must create science to get a conflict. So capitalism created what it called communism and funded the communist societies from the beginning right through, in fact, until the so-called Berlin Wall fell down. This is, the, this is the, the amalgamation of the world through conflict and treaties, etc. The United Nations was set up after the League of Nations 
in order to bring, help bring this about. And they decided to bring the whole world into a scientifically formed society and run society, a society run by experts, experts in everything, and that they would bring children up from the cradle right through life and train them all the way that they could have no real opinions of their own. They would only be able to repeat the words of experts. This has been pretty successful if you look around you today because when people meet in gatherings or social occasions, you'll find that their topics of conversation are right from magazines or newspapers or from the media. Whatever's been given to them, they don't generally have much thoughts of their own. That was decided to say in the 1800s and the 1900s. When you go into players like Bertrand Russell, very important character because he was put out in front as a spokesman for the big foundations in London on behalf of the aristocracy of London and Europe to which he belonged. He was a lord and he wrote a book called The Impact of Science on Society. In the book he tells you a lot of true things. Now, if you read the book, there's things in there which will upset you when you when you read them because he's very blunt, but he's also very honest about things. He doesn't put put any cover over the frailties of human nature individually or collectively. And what he's really doing is giving you what elite have always known through massive observation through many centuries, and that is how we all we're all manipulated and how we can be manipulated, what our weaknesses are and how they can be exploited to the full by those who understand them. You'll find, for instance, in page 57 of this book, he talks about types of oligarchical governments. And he says, in the first place, since the new oligarchs, the adherents of a certain creed, or they are the adherents of a certain creed as a belief, and base their claim to exclusive power upon the rightness of this creed, their system depends essentially upon dogma. Whoever questions the governmental dogma questions the moral authority of the government and is therefore a rebel. While the oligarchy is still new, there are sure to be other creeds held with equal conviction which would seize the government if they could. Such rival creeds must be suppressed by force since the principle of majority rule has been abandoned. It follows that there cannot be freedom of the press, freedom of discussion, or freedom of book publication. There must be an organ of government whose duty it is to pronounce as to what is orthodox and to punish heresy. Now, if that's familiar to do with homeland security, it's no wonder because you see the same thing over and over again. We are under a form of totalitarianism, and it's not just the U.S. or Canada. It's pretty well most of the world, except for some countries in the Middle East, which are under attack right now. So... He also goes into the history of the Inquisition and shows what such an organ of government must inevitably become. In the normal pursuit of power, it will seek out more and more subtle heresies. And that's what we're finding now. They want to do psychological evaluations to see if you might have some hidden traits you don't know about yet. It's the same thing. The Church, as soon as it acquired political power, developed incredible refinements of dogma and persecuted what to us appear microscopic deviations from the official creed. Exactly the same sort of things happen in the modern states that confine political power to supporters of a certain doctrine. The completeness of the resulting control 
over opinion depends in various ways upon scientific technique. Very, very little, a little term, scientific term, technique, they mean so much because it's a vast science. Where children go to school and all schools are controlled by the government, the authorities can close the minds of the young to everything contrary to official orthodoxy. Printing is impossible without paper. All paper belongs to the state. Broadcasting and the cinema are equally public monopolies. The only remaining possibility of unauthorized propaganda is by secret whispers from one individual to another. But this, in turn, is rendered appallingly dangerous by improvements in the art of spying. Children at school are taught that this is their, it is their duty to denounce their parents if they allow themselves or, or hear subversive utterances in the bosom of the family. No one can be sure that a man who seems to be his dearest friend will not denounce him to the police. That's what's all coming around today with total surveillance in all the Western countries. Now, I think we've got Mark from Canada on the line. Are you there, Mark? Uh, hi, Alan. How are you? Not so bad. I was just calling, uh, being, being uh, part of the, the generations and generations, I'm sorry, this is a bit off topic, the, uh, knowing that we've all come from such an indoctrinated sort of tower yep. from generation to generation to generation, it, it's hard sometimes. What, would you be able to speak a little on where the indoctrination ends and the actual human begins? I, I know it's, it's a pretty broad question, but uh, it seems that, like, for myself personally, I, I always am constantly questioning the things that I even just think that I think I'm thinking naturally. But I'm I'm never sure kind of what's what's actually yeah. the real person and what is just basically stuff that we've been mm-hmm. downloaded with. And I'll and I'll just leave you with that. Yeah. Thanks, Alan. Yeah, that's a that's a good question right. because we don't have records because all all histories, remember, are distorted, changed, and sometimes completely thrown out, depending on the next regime that comes in down through many many centuries. And we we have very vague records of what was normal and when it was normal. All you can really say is that your main drives that you have and the milestones you have in life from from a very early age, you're different when you're a teenager. When you're a teenager, your hormones kick in and you have other interests, vital interests, because you have a mating imperative. Nature requires that we keep reproducing the species and uh, that can drive you to distraction, as we all know. However, these are the normal things that really drives, in a sense. Now, when you're young, you have the best time, really, and I mean almost preschool, uh, to actually go walks in a country when they used to do walking in front of a uh, computer screen and study nature and be part of nature. The feelings that came with it, the daydreams that children have are very important. These things are normal, but they're, through the school system, they're hammered out of us and we're taught to dismiss all fantasy, and yet fantasy and daydreaming is part of the human psyche. It's an essential part of it for health, in fact. So it's driven out of us, and we become unhealthy. Uh, That's why we have a very unhealthy society. We're supposed to be practical and logical, but yet the practicalities and the logics come from whatever we're fed by daily media and by those around us. Most people succumb to it very quickly. A few do manage to scrape through, and they feel like aliens in a foreign planet when they look at those around them whose indoctrinations have taken much, much better. It's hard to communicate to them. But really, um, 
we're, we also have to take into consideration the fact that in the world of matter, which this is, we do need certain requirements, and this is generally the basis of all disagreements, conflicts, uh, interpersonal-wise, and even between nations, is over, is over basically economics and what you can have. So what you need to survive and sustain yourself becomes exaggerated in a commercialized system, and it becomes psychotic in a sense, and exaggerated, and then you have the, the psychopathic tyrants rising up who grab as much of it as they can to feel safe. What they do is what they're doing is they want to feel really safe. And so they grab everybody else's property and wealth. I'll be back after the following messages. Everybody knows that the days are loaded. Everybody rolls with their fingers crossed. Everybody knows the war is over. Everybody knows the good guys lost. Everybody knows the fight was fixed. The poor stay poor. The rich get rich. That's how it goes. Everybody knows. Hi. I'm Alan Watt with Cutting Through the Matrix. Just talking about some of the normalities, what is normal, what is not normal in today's society. And all we have to go from today are the last few tribes left, so-called primitive tribes. That's what we're called by the civilized countries. They call them stagnant or arrested civilizations. Civilizations um, like ours, which really have been ongoing and change, constant change, and that's the key to ours. Uh, always changing through industry, fueled by money, inventions, and so on. Uh, we think that's called civilization. Anyone outside of that is called uh, stagnant or arrested culture. And that's how they talk about some of the people down in the Amazon. Uh, what they mean is everyone in the system, since we came out of the mass man industrial eras, were classed as economic units belonging to the mass in a collectivist type of society. Everyone must have a function and a purpose and serve the system by paying taxes and being good. Good is defined as following the rules of your particular era that you live in. And the arrested civilizations, as they call them, uh, are self-sustaining. That's the difference in them. They can't be ruled. They can't be taken over. And they've, they've tried to bribe them, of course, with uh, trinkets and toys from, the, from our civilization. But uh, it's taking on very slowly. Uh, the people in the Amazon only have to work four hours per day to sustain themselves and do their hunting and so on. The rest of the day is used for things like making love and having dances and having fun like that. And that's how life really should, should be. It's not this eight to five or eight to six job that, that they have. That's just for us, you see, the, the schmucks. The schmucks who think we're superior. And it really doesn't matter what we think we know because most of what we think we know or can repeat is nonsense in the first place. Uh, the Amazonian doesn't care about Freud or Einstein or anybody else or Isaac Newton. They knew that gravity was already there before Newton came along. So it's all how you view things uh, to do with progress or arrested or stagnant civilizations. That's the comparison. And really, can we honestly say we're any happier with all the nonsense we think we know 
and especially when you know where we're all going, which is to an eventual electronic matrix system of brain chipping and alteration in genetic modification. But who really is the aberrant society, the so-called high civilized society, or the arrested cultures of the Amazon and a few other places left in the world? That's the difference. We never ask who defines progress. Progress to us because we're trained in an economic system of, of rewards or punishment if you don't work then you'll find that um, we think progress is having more toys and having more money, this coin thing, this strange thing called money, to buy more goodies. But uh, the Amazonian, for instance, can make his own axe, chop down the trees, and, uh, and get his game, and, and, and be quite happy, and, and live through all the trials that would normally flatten a higher civilization, because the easiest system to bring down are the higher civilizations, because everyone is dependent on the system. Uh, there's now another call on the line. Who are you again? Is it John? Uh, Joe. That's Joe. Yeah. And you're from Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania. Yeah. What's your question? Um, well, I, I I had a comment uh, first. Um, I'm 16, so uh, I think I think you're right on with regards to the education system. Uh, it's there's a lot of subtle manipulations in it when. For instance, uh, when they talk about uh, whenever whenever we talk about the government lying about something, the, the word lie or lied is not used. They use the word misled, and uh, I just um, I think you're right on with regards to the education system. But the question I had was um, this is maybe a little off topic, but why have people um, so many people in the world? have suffered at the agendas of, of powerful men. And um, in a lot of foreign countries, uh, this this happens. Um, and um, I'm wondering why people just seem to be shut down emotionally to these people who are are suffering a lot and in, in great pain. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so the, you're talking about those who claim to power, you mean, and, and cause the others to suffer? I, I, yes, I'm talking about the people in power who are who are causing others to suffer right now. Um, yeah, well, you 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 have literally a deviant type amongst us, and it's called a psychopath. But, it, it's a it's a problem that is worldwide. It always mm -hmm. has been here that certain people are born with literally uh, no human emotion towards other people. Uh, the only emotion they have is as. Uh, is one really of how to utilize you um, and use you for their own ends in the nicest possible way generally. Most of them are very charming, but um, they do exist amongst us, and you'll find that they crave power in every society, so they try to climb to the top by any means possible and, and get it and hold on to it, and they become tremendous tyrants. And they, don't, they really don't empathize with other people's problems or emotions they cannot really cannot feel your pain at all uh, they do feel their own uh, very much so and they can certainly show it in fits of rage when when it's in private but i'll go into you're listening to the republic broadcasting network because you can handle the truth Everybody knows that the days are loaded 
and others. And uh, they talked about the strategies they would need to use, including world wars, to bring it about. World wars would get the public so war-weary uh, war from all nations in a world war. They'd beg for a new system, and they hoped after World War I this would happen. And right after, of course, nationalism sprung up again, because tribalism is a natural thing once once again. And so H.G. Wells said, he said, well, he says, they're not buckling under, we'll need another war. And so along came World War II. And this is the third one now to, to basically standardize the world, because the only ones who haven't buckled under are other old regimes in the Middle East, and they have to be brought under too. So there's one standardized world system, but not a free world system by any means. It's still run by an international coterie of psychopathic families, and they plan to have total control over every single individual by every means possible, mainly scientific, uh, including chips and monitoring, and eventually a brain chip, which they'll sell to the public. It's been a great thing that will give you special abilities and so on, good memory, yada, 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 and the public will go for it. And that's what the training exercises we're going through now have been the computer to the cell phone to the cell phone and a mini computer to one stuck on your ear to one inside your head, step-by-step training in a Pavlovian fashion. And it will take off, there's no doubt about it, because most people today live in a fantasy world of television and fiction that's been promulgated to them without questioning anything at all. They live for fun. And this again was explained by Lord Bertrand Russell and Aldo Huxley, and others, even uh, Kostler as well. They all belonged, by the way, those guys, to MI6. Everyone was a member of MI6 and worked together with the CIA in culture creation for the peoples of the West. And uh, they said the same thing, that uh, the world they would bring into view would be a scientific form of dictatorship where the public wouldn't even know they were under mind control. They were absolutely 100% confident and sure of it back in the 50s and 60s. And unfortunately, it's here. They said they would bring in a type of egocentric society. Uh, that means that you'd only be taught to do those, or, or told to do or trained to do those things which are pleasurable, and you would avoid pain. You'd seek pleasure, avoid pain. And that is the society we now belong to. Uh, people will do anything to avoid uh, anything unpleasant, uh, don't tell me that, it upsets me. That's what you'll hear very often, or don't be negative, be positive. Well, only a crazy person standing on the tracks with their backs turned to the train would be positive if they plan to stay there. It would take a lot of faith in something to get to, get to make it all right. But that's what people have been trained into, have fun, have fun, don't worry, be happy. And because of that, the elite themselves can steamroll ahead and do really nasty things across the planet to people without much objection at all. Uh, there's very few people who are sentient enough to object to this. There are very few people who are still connected to humanity to object to it because it's a survival mechanism. If you care about others, even people you've never met before and never will meet, uh, that's a survival mechanism for the human species as a whole. If you don't, then the big eating machine that's 
that's chomping through one country will eventually come around to you and there's going to be no one left to cry for you either. So your, your, so your defense mechanisms depend on, on carrying a natural thing. Bill in Idaho, are you there? Hello, Bill. Bill in Idaho? No? Okay, I'll continue. And uh, Bill might get back on the phone. So that's where we are. We're, we're living in an age of perpetual childhood where we've already had a generation died off or are dying off who never knew reality in their whole lifetime. And once again, because only in a short time they were given credit cards galore and more money than ever they could ever imagined or their parents or their grandparents ever imagined, mainly through credit, they enjoyed themselves into the grave, but they never really knew what was going on. The present ones who are alive today are actually a little bit worse because uh, they've given us all the cheap junk from China, which we can buy endlessly. There's always more junk getting turned out. Interestingly, we call it junk because that's what they used to call Chinese ships. There were junks, and uh, we get the junk from China, very cheap, masses of credit cards to buy all the toys, and we don't want to postpone things which are hard or take time. Um, or we will postpone them. We'll delay uh, things that we should be doing immediately for short-term rewards. A species that does that is basically doomed to extinction. And... I think we've got Bill there. Hello? Yes, I am. Thanks so very much, Mr. Watt. As usual, excellent. I'm embarrassed and saddened to even interrupt your uh, your presentation. And considering everything that you've mentioned, all, all of the uh, psychological warfare and mind control that has occurred, uh, at a very elemental level, is there one particular area, one particular discourse that would be able to catch the attention of and galvanize apparently a very frightened younger population who neither wants to recognize nor believe that they come into uh, <laughs> their ascendancy in the middle of a uh, civil war and a uh, mind control game. Yeah, well that that is the problem because the they go through the rebellious phase to establish their own identity, but what they're given as an identity is marketed to them by the managers of the music and the movie industry, and in other words, the culture creators. They, they don't realize that their parents don't have the wherewithal or the knowledge uh, to tell them, to warn them. So they adapt very easily into the system. You see, if you, if you parents don't know, then you, you will accept everything in your life as it's been presented to you without question. You just take it for granted, in fact, that money is normal, that you use plastic for normal, that you get cargo pants uh, to put your credit card in is normal. There's nothing normal in the society, including even the cargo pants, because top (laughs) marketers told me this. They said, how can we encourage the youth to go cashless? And they said, we'll make pants that don't have deep pockets for money or wallets. And but look, they get little pockets in the front where they can put their cards, and that's why they gave them the cargo pants. I'm not kidding you. <laughs> There's nothing in society that's given out there that isn't pre-thought for a higher purpose for a, a ruling elite uh, and their agenda. Yeah, I, I hear Valiant Carol 
call and a few others from this area here, yeah. but not a word, not a peep. And I've passed out tons of audio tapes. The only way I can get get your information out, and I do it gladly. You know, I recopy over everything that's available that's going to get thrown into the landfill, and I take the programs. I put web pages on the uh, uh, on the cassettes, and I pass them out liberally. Uh, the fact that there aren't uh, 20 uh, uh, students of uh, uh, psychology over at the NIC University on the line ready and prepared to write notes and, and take, uh, uh, take uh, information from you is just absolutely bizarre. It's yeah. just one more indication of how complete uh, the programming ultimately is. But we yeah, thank you very much. Yeah, well, thanks for, for, for putting that information there. and. And here's the problem with uh, uh, universities. University means one voice, you see? So you're trained to go in and come out as one voice, one opinion. You think you're clever because you've gone there and you don't realize you've had a, a better indoctrination. <laughs> and, and that's what they set up universities for. So it's very difficult to tell people at universities who all think they're rebelling and they all think they're wise guys because that's just the way we are when we're young. <laughs> uh, however, these professors and so on, who generally belong to the Council of Foreign Relations or the Royal Institute of International Affairs, are handpicked for pushing a particular scientific agenda and teaching in a scientific technique where the student themselves don't realize that their emotions are being played with and they're given emotional impacts along with, with different statements to do with science and they will see things one way from then on very few of them can break free of that later on. And again, most of them who go there, in, unfortunately in that field today, go into the study of psychology because they want themselves to be controllers in a higher position. Got to be be part of the team. Yes. Yeah. Right. Uh, it, it just uh, strikes me that uh, uh, in a presentation here locally, directly after the little Nazi Mark Furman was on KGA, uh, 1510 out of Spokane, a little happy face, 1950s, 60s, uh, uh, social butterfly affairs guy was on doing a program. And of course he had the fire chief on. The fire chief was, uh, uh, you know, mentioning that, uh, FEMA and Homeland Security were, you know, buffing them up here and, you know, getting them ready and telling them all the truth in regard to what we need to be, uh, aware of and alert for. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, how to deal with these uh, splinter groups. Splinter groups, that's right. Yes. And that falls right into my, the early part I read there from Bertrand yes. Russell's book, that they go against anyone who has any other opinion as though you were a heretic, basically. Well, thank you again for all your efforts for the Republic. We sincerely appreciate it. That's a pleasure. Yeah. So there we are, and, and that's, that's how we are. We think we're so smart when we're growing up, and... Uh, we don't realize that everything that's promoted to us, even the musical content and the style of music, is promoted from the top. Because I was in the, the business, and I know uh, that the word would always come down to all the writers uh, what was in and what they wanted, including political correctness. You don't realize that. And even in the 70s, it came down, they wanted gender-neutral terminology used in the song. So you didn't. Suddenly, there was no more he or she or whatever. Uh, it was just uh, vague. It could be anybody, and, and people didn't realize that. But that was a political decision that went right through the culture industry. 
and there's many, many more instances of the same thing. During the 80s, especially in Europe, when they were getting rid of all their industry, they wanted a depressed type of human, very depressed. And sure enough, the, the, they put out a music that was a sort of wailing, lorn, or for lost, uh, for, for lorn type music, very lost uh, type of music, to, because they didn't want to engender a, a violent culture that was going to be unemployed. And at the same time, they opened up all the bars. Margaret Thatcher did that. Uh, to keep them in the pubs all day and make sure they had enough money for that. And uh, so they changed all the laws for opening times in the bars to keep them in sight. And she said it was better to have them happy and drunk in the pubs than rioting on the streets because they were unemployed. Everything is managed. Music is used. The arts and entertainment are used to the full and the maximum. And that's part of what they mean by, by scientific technique. Uh, our thoughts generally are not our own. They're marketed into us, they're taught into us. And the way a person will try and test their sanity is to have a few friends and you bounce off your ideas to that friend. And if they come back with the same opinions, you'll say, I guess I am sane because they have the same opinions as me. It doesn't dawn on you, you've all been brainwashed. And this, again, is well understood at the top. Anything can be taught. And, um, and that's what Lord Bertrand Russell said. He says, there's no nonsense no nonsense so arrant that it cannot be made the creed, meaning the belief of the vast majority, by adequate governmental action. That's what we're living in, folks. Scientific dictatorship is here. It's really an oligarchy of scientists. I'll be back after the following messages. That the dice are loaded Everybody rolls With their fingers crossed Everybody knows The war is over Everybody knows The good guys lost Everybody knows The fight was fixed The poor stay poor The rich get rich That's how it goes Everybody knows. Hi, Alan Watt back here with Cutting Through the Matrix. And this is just even the bottom level of the matrix. This is just uh, the conditioning we have at the bottom. There's many aspects to the human personality, and each part has been under attack, including the genders and everything else. And I don't mean simply by psychological indoctrinations, but also through hormonal tampering, through inoculations and various other means, that's how bad it is. It doesn't happen by happenstance. Uh, you, we actually had tampering going back as early the early 50s that we know of that has been admitted to by some big players like Charles Galton Darwin in his book Millennium. He said we'd have to target the hormonal levels in male and female and alter them. He wanted uh, primarily males who would not be so masculine, who wouldn't mind so much buying toys and being interested in colors and stuff like that. And that's happened. That's happened. didn't happen by accident. Nothing happens so quickly in nature. Therefore, it had to be a scientific thing that was done to them. That's your proof. Nothing evolves in nature that I have ever seen. And if it ever did, it would take billions of years. So when you see something happening physically, a biochemical change in people, a biophysical change in people within one generation 
something has been done to that generation, and that's your clue, especially when it's been written about by big, big players, very important people with power who speak on behalf of the dominant minority, as they call them. Now, just to, to finish up, we've got a couple of minutes here to mention, again, from Bertrand Russell's The Impact of Science on Society, and he's talking here about what was the Soviet Union, which they copied. They copied the system of collectivism, remember. This was decided at the Club of Rome. They would use this system for the entire Western world. It was more efficient. So he's talking about the Soviet system. He says, the life of the victims in this system is unspeakable. He's talking about forced labor and concentration camps. He says, the hours are unbearably long. The food only just enough to keep the laborers alive for a year or so. The clothing in an Arctic winter is so scanty it would barely suffice in an English summer. Men and women are seized in their homes in the middle of the night. Does that sound familiar? Hmm? Uh, there is no trial. Homeland Security can arrest you. Actually, they arrest you with no charge. They can just whisk you off and not even tell your relatives why you've been whisked. So he continues, and often no charge is formulated. They disappear. Inquiries by their families remain unanswered. That's written into all the Homeland Security laws, anti-terrorism bills of every country now in the West. That is in force. And this was, and he's talking here about the Soviet Union. Is after a year or two in northeast Siberia or on the shores of the White Sea, they die of cold, overwork, and undernourishment. But that causes no concern to the authorities. There are plenty more to come. So. In the age of the mass man, as I say, if you dissent to anything, you're simply whisked off into the middle of the night. It's bye-bye to your families, and you won't see them again. All written into law. Well, that's it for tonight from myself and Hamish the dog up in Ontario, Canada. It's good night, and may your God or your gods go with you.